Keeping it real with Jared Lawrence. Shall we? Cause you know it's time wrong. Every time these niggas rhyme wrong. So, uh, lights, camera, action, I'm on. I have them standing in line to get their mind blown. I'm selling soul, rapping and singing and screaming and yelling soul. Manufacturing, marketing, pricing, packaging and emailing soul. With no rehearsal. This one verse will coerce you like a commercial. But what I must first do is make my presentation a bit more personal. Everything must go. For a small price, you can have the heart of me. There is no part of me that can't be calculated into commodity. My music's a mountain, a milestone, a million miles above monotony. And it'll make you feel so good that it got to be God, it got to be. I paint prophecy, you know, airbrush atrocity with philosophy. And people ask me, am I going to preach one of these days? And I just tell them, possibly, if you let me, I'll end up being everything, probably. And obviously, it's like any other job would be, so you might as well thank God for me. But isn't it amazing how the antenna ain't nothing but a sinner? You just can't go and be ordained over dinner. Now, I can be trusted intellectual or ABC it for a beginner. But yes, my season still change, and it is almost winter, and I give it to you at God's speed. But yet it's gentle, and when I rhyme, I make greed and fundamentals. So even in black and white, my lyric is live and living color. My flow is fluorescent, like scripture, highlighted in bright yellow. And all this for $9.99. Shit, that's wonderful. And the great thing about it is, if you disagree, your money's refundable. But there's always something rewarding about every CeeLo Green recording. Because even after all of your expenses, people still aspire affording. It's incredible how convincing I can be with a camera pointed at me. But really, sometimes rapping feel like tapping to make a cracker happy. But when the dat play and the beat get the bumping like adolescent acne, it's kind of sad, but it's showtime. I sentiment exactly. So don't get mad. Everybody's doing it. You know you and mine, a commercial with your own to the shoe in it. Whether you're selling a dream, selling a scheme, or playing a role. Like it or not, we selling souls. Selling souls. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence. I'm your host, Jared Lawrence. That was CeeLo Green. I'm selling soul. Off of that, um, what was that album called? CeeLo Green is the Soul Machine? Was that the album? I think that was the name of it. Something like that. But I'm back for another episode um, in a much better mood. I feel like the last episode was a little dark. But it was just one of those episodes I had to get out of my system. I had been gone for a while and... There really was no better way to come back than to just let you know what was going on in my life. So thank you to everybody who was who was patient and everybody who understood, everybody who felt what I was what I was going through and what I was talking about. I appreciate everybody. So um this one will be a little bit more upbeat, I believe. Uh we'll see how it goes. But <laughs> I, I, I'm in a better mood today. So I think it will be a little bit more upbeat. And uh I've got some topics today. But I want to start off by recapping my trip to Tallahassee because that's what I was talking about last week letting y'all know I was going there to visit family and I had a really good time I'm not even gonna lie to you it was a great trip on the way there it went the way I expected it to I had my music and my podcast I drove by myself hit up Bucky's like I said um hit up Wawa got some coffee got a Kalashi from Bucky's got a muffin then I headed on over to Tallahassee I cut through Jacksonville and when I got to Tallahassee, I went to A-Town Wings, like I said. I don't know if I told y'all that. I think I did. But A-Town Wings is, like, my favorite spot in Tallahassee. They got these honey lemon pepper wings that are, like, the best 
wings you will ever have outside of the um, honey wings at Bethune Grill in Daytona. Because those are like a honey buffalo. Those are really good wings, too. But the honey lemon pepper wings at A-Town Wings in Tallahassee are some of the best wings in the game. I don't I don't know if there's anything better. They also have, uh, what, what I got a teriyaki with lemon pepper on it, too. They put lemon pepper on pretty much everything there. So I got the teriyaki with lemon pepper, too. No, that's a that's a a close second to the honey lemon pepper, but the teriyaki lemon pepper is solid too. On the way back, I ended up getting the um, mild with the lemon pepper, which is not mild. I don't. I gotta get off of that. I gotta stop getting that mild lemon pepper from Aton Wings because it is so spicy that I had five of them and I was struggling, man. I was struggling the next day. I had to drink my detox tea. I had to clean myself out. Probably too much information, but it is what it is. But if you're ever in Tallahassee, Atlanta. Augusta, any of these like country southern places, hit up A Town Wings. This is not even a paid promotion. This is just me. I love their food so much. So I'm gonna shout them out. Uh, they got all different types of wings. They got your your garlic parm, your honey garlic, the uh, the mild, the medium, the hot. You can get lemon pepper on all those. Even the fries, man. Let me tell you, the fries. They put lemon pepper seasoning on the fries, and then seasoned salt. Now, I know black people, we say it wrong. We call it, I think we call it seasoning. We say, is, is it seasoning salt or seasoned salt? We say it the wrong way. Whatever the way the black people say it, it's not the correct way. I believe it's, I believe it's um, seasoning, seasoned salt, seasoning salt. Now, now I'm over here debating on if I'm saying it right. I'm going to Google. I'm going to Google it because I don't want to lead you guys astray. But I just know the way the black people say it is not the correct way because I remember when I finally read the um, the bottle, the jar, whatever you call it, it was the wrong thing. So I'm Googling it now. It is called seasoned salt. Seasoned salt, not seasoning salt. So I, we were always saying it the wrong way, and I know that you guys that are listening to me out there called it seasoning salt because that's just the way we were brought up. So it is called seasoned salt. And I, I say all that to say that when I was at A-Town Wings, you get the lemon pepper seasoning on the fries, but they also put the seasoned salt on there. And let me tell you, that is the best combination. Because I, I like my fries plant. I don't like ketchup on them. I don't really like a whole lot of uh, condiments. So I need the seasoning. The seasoning is very clutch when you're eating your fries. And A-Town Wings, man, I'm telling you, that lemon pepper with that seasoned salt is the best combination you're going to get on fries. It's... I just, I can't say enough about that place. It's so good. Uh, Wingstop, I will say, if you like mild, I, I do think Wingstop has the best mild sauce just because it's not spicy. A-Town, your, your mild is way too spicy. Wingstop, I'll give them the uh, advantage on the mild. I haven't had the garlic parm from A-Town Wings, but Wingstop has a really good garlic parm, so I might give them that advantage too. But everything else, A-Town Wings, bro. They got them beat. They got them beat. It's it's a must try. I I can't say I can't say enough about it, but um it was a great weekend in Tallahassee. Saw my family, hung out with them. I got there Friday um Friday evening, probably around like 5:30. Went to the hotel, hung out till about 10, 11, I don't even remember. Had some beers with my wings. It was just a good time. Everybody started getting in town around like 7, 8 o'clock. My aunt was already there, though. my uncle was there, my dad lives there. Uh, so a lot of family already lives in Tallahassee, but we just all came together, laughed, um, just a lot of jokes, a lot of fun being around each other. 
And then Saturday, uh, we had another event, and even more family showed up to that one. So it was just dope seeing everybody. A lot of um, uncles, aunts, uh, cousins, extended family. It was just, it was a great time. We watched football. We remembered those that we lost. Um, it was a little emotional, I'm sure, for people, but I think everybody was happy to just be around each other and enjoy our company because we don't get together as much as we used to, especially with the pandemic. So just being there for a few days and hanging out and spending that time together, it, it was a lot of good memories there. I took a lot of pictures. I'll probably post one of the pictures as the uh, episode cover. So if you're on SoundCloud, you'll see that. I think Spotify, you can see it too, but... If you're not on those, then you might want to hit up my SoundCloud just to see it. I don't know what my, I think it's Beyond the Glory or J-Law Radio. One of those is the SoundCloud page. So I initially post this to SoundCloud and it goes everywhere else. But yeah, that was it. It was a great weekend. Um, I, One thing about the weekend, though, I got to speak on is the, the COVID situation, the vaccine situation. You know, I'm vaxxed. Uh, I speak on it a lot. I feel like ever since I've been vaccinated, my life has been good uh, as far as not feeling sick, not not having any of the common colds and the, the sneezing constantly and all that. I, I just feel like I haven't experienced a lot of that since I got vaccinated. So when I went to Tallahassee, I would say I thought most of my family was vaccinated. But when I went there, I would say maybe, oh, man, maybe 50 percent of the family's vaccinated, maybe 60. I wouldn't go higher than 60, but. It was just interesting um, talking to everybody about the vaccine and getting their views on it. And the, the most interesting thing I, that I experienced was talking to the kids, like the 10-year-olds, man. Bro, let me tell you, the 10-year-olds are so woke. They were telling me all the reasons they're not getting vaccinated. <laughs> I know they got it from their parents, but it was just wild talking to 10-year-olds and having them tell me why they're not vaccinated and that the microchip is out there and we're going to be poisoned and we're going to be the first ones to die. Like it was insane. So I, I say all that to say any of y'all out there that have any hopes of the country getting vaccinated as a whole, nah, let it go. Leave it at the door. It's not happening. I feel like we can probably get 60% of the country vaccinated. That might be where I'm at now, but the whole country is never going to be vaccinated. Just, just the way I'm seeing that people think and people's views on it. And I mean, I'm not mad at your views. If you don't believe in the vaccine, cool. But the 10 year olds, man, the 10 year olds were just very uh, strong in their, their beliefs and opinions on it. Like I couldn't even sway them. So if I can't sway them, imagine how their parents are. So I, I don't think we're ever going to see um, herd immunity or whatever it's called where everybody's vaccinated. And, you know, shout out to my people like Mike and Donna who are never under any circumstance, probably ever getting that vaccine. So when you think about all that, I feel like 60% is probably, that's probably the high for where we'll be as a country. I don't think the whole country is ever getting it. And, you know, the data shows what it shows, whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. I do believe that COVID is a serious thing though. And I, I would encourage people to get the vaccine, but I understand if you don't want to get it and, I think I'm at the point where I'm just, I'm not fighting it anymore. I'm not fighting the battles. I'm not trying to convince anybody. I, I'm, I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to tell you how I am with it. And I don't mind it. It didn't affect me so far. I'm good. I'm still alive. Knock on wood. Well, that's not really wood. That's like plastic, but knock on that. So I think it just, it just falls into 
it just comes down to whatever you believe in and whatever your uh, spirituality is guiding you. And I guess maybe if you're getting forced, because sometimes you're forced into it. I know the NFL is pretty much like tried to force their players into getting the vaccine, which is wild because I was reading an article the other day um, how Urban Meyer, they were accusing him of cutting players who weren't vaccinated. But then now his wife is like anti-vaccine. She's like a nurse at a hospital and she's like hardcore, like against the vaccine. So it's just it's just pretty wild to see both ends of that spectrum in that family, how one person is like cutting you if you don't have the vaccine. And then the wife is saying you shouldn't get it. Um, she's saying most of the people in the hospital are not there for COVID. You know, the, the standard stuff that a lot of people are saying. So I, I found that pretty interesting. But I'm at a point where it is what it is. Like we all have the information. What you do with it is on you. So. We just have to prepare to go forward in this country with or without the vaccine as individuals. And I'll tell you one thing, like football season, with football season going on right now, the country is back, man. We're back open. I don't think we're going back to a lockdown ever again. I think football dictates how America runs. And you see these stadiums packed with like 80,000, 90,000, 100,000 people. We're not like, (laughs) you think we're going back to like, the lockdown after that, no. It's open now. It's open. This is the way we're moving forward. And like I said, everybody, you move forward at your own risk, your own caution. I know I have friends who have been sick uh, recently. There's friends who have passed away from COVID. I mean, it's just real. It's a real thing. So I just, I just encourage everybody to do what they think is best for themselves um, and just be prepared for whatever consequences come your way, whether you're vac- vaccinated or not vaccinated. Like, we all could be affected. So just be prepared for whatever can happen um, in this world because none of us, none of us are immune, (laughs) whether you have a vaccine or not. Like we can all get it. We can all die. It's just a matter of how you feel and your confidence level. So as long as you're okay with that, there's not much else I can say. Um, What else do I want to talk about? Oh, well, I'll wrap up the Tallahassee trip. Um, Sunday... We hung out again. We watched some football and then uh, we ended up taking, we ended up trying to go find a country store. So we all drove, we got like snow cones first, which they were all right. They weren't that great. And then we drove to uh, this place called Havana. It's spelled like Havana, but over there in Tallahassee, they call it Havana. Don't ask me why. That's just how they do it. There's also a place called Cairo that's spelled like Cairo. I don't know, man. They do things different over there. Tallahassee, they have their own ways. It's kind of like New York. New York has a street called um, Houston Street, but it's spelled like Houston. But if you say Houston, they'll correct you. Ah, It's Houston. So all these cities have their own little special way of pronouncing things. I remember one time I was in a place called Beaufort, South Carolina. Beautiful city. It was beautiful. Um, And then I ended up going to a place in North Carolina spelled just like Beaufort. I kid you not. And I was talking to one of the locals there and I'm like, oh yeah, I like I'm like, where are we at? This is Buford, right? And he's like, oh, Beaufort. It's called Beaufort. And I'm like, but it's the spelled the same way as the South Carolina city is. I, I I don't know. I can't make sense of how all this stuff goes. Everybody has their own way of doing things. But yeah, we went to Havana to find this country store that ended up being like a corner store um with Ak, which is a New York term. It's like the Indian dude that works at the register. He was over there and it was just like his store, but it wasn't the country store we were looking for. And um, it was just like, a, like I don't know, like a corner store, like a, a, a 7-Eleven, a gas station store, one of those like t- 
type of places. And I'm thinking, man, we drove like 20 miles for this. And like he's selling like all types of weave in there, not weed, weave, like black women hair. And just it looked like inside of a gas station. And I'm just like, bro, needless to say, I drove my car. And you know, my uncle was in there with me. My uncle AB, shout out to him. We had a good conversation though. So, I mean, it was a pretty good drive just for that. Spend some quality time. And then uh, we ended up going back to my aunt's house, hung out there, and we went to, um, we ended up ordering food from this place called Crafty Crab. Now, if you've ever, if you've never been to Crafty Crab, that's another place you need to go to. It's a seafood spot. And the thing that makes Crafty Crab, to me, the best out of all the seafood spots I've been to, aside from probably Q's and Cocoa Beach, that's another really good one. But Crafty Crab, their sauce, man. Pause if I need it. If I need to pause that, but their sauce is so good. They got the sauce called the boom sauce. It's like a mixture of like three different things, man. I don't even want to get it wrong. So I might I probably have to look this up with the, the crafty crab. Um, the boom sauce is, I think it's like lemon pepper. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. I don't want to mess it up, but uh, crafty crab. I believe we have it in Orlando now. I know there's one in Melbourne, but if you're ever there, if you're ever in the area, I, I highly recommend going to uh, Crafty Crab because that sauce alone, the boom sauce, um, trying to look it up, trying to give you guys a, a exact uh, thing on what it is. So let's see. Sorry for that. I had to go to their actual website to find it, but the Crafty Crab, um, the boom sauce basically is it's a mixture of crafty cajun buttery garlic and lemon pepper and you mix that all together and you can get it mild medium fire um which is like the spicy one or you can get a dry rub of it but it's called the boom because it's a mixture of the lemon pepper the buttery garlic and the cajun so if you ever go to crafty crab make sure you ask for the boom sauce i highly recommend it you will not be disappointed and then i ended up getting that but i got it i got it on um What's that? What's that called? Um, not oysters, scallops. I got it on scallops. And then I had ended up getting gumbo. Um, you can get like the boiled eggs. I did that. Some corn with the boom sauce again on the corn. I'm telling you, man, it was so good. I put me a little meal together for like 30 bucks. I didn't even get the crab legs that time. I just, you know, I kept it simple. And thank God for the um, online ordering because you don't have to go to these places anymore. But... The thing that was so good about the Crafty Crab when we ordered it online, I had the leftover boom sauce. So then on my way home, I left on Monday. And I already told myself when I left, I was like, I'm going back to A-Town Wings. I'm getting me some wings to go. And I know it's a four-hour drive. I didn't even care, bro. I got me some wings. I got the um, honey lemon pepper again. But this time instead of the teriyaki lemon pepper, I ended up getting that mild lemon pepper, which was a bad decision, but whatever. And then I got the fries again with the seasoning on those fries. And I ate the fries in the car on the way home and saved the wings. So when I got home, I ate the wings. That was like my meal for the night. It was just a good end to the trip. But I also had that Crafty Crab Boom Sauce still. I put it in the freezer at my dad's house the night before I left. So it would stay cold on the drive. So then I ended up using that Boom Sauce um, on some fish that I cooked at home the night after. And it was so good, man. It was so good on the fish. Like, I, I, I want to go in there and try to buy it. I heard you can buy that sauce. So if you can buy it, that's a game changer in itself. And um, that was pretty much the trip. Like I said, I saw everybody. Um, my mom and my brother ended up coming on Saturday. 
And then he rode back with my mother, too. So I ended up having the car to myself on the way there and the way back. And it was just very peaceful. I needed it. I needed to clear my head. It was just, it was great for me. Um, one thing that wasn't great, though, on the way back, I had just gotten my air conditioning fixed before I had left to go to Tallahassee. I paid, like, over 400 bucks, like $418. I uh, got Freon put in there. I got a, a new pipe in there. And um, on the way back, the air went out again, man. And I'm just like, damn, I cannot, I can't win. Like, I got so much bad luck right now. I don't know what's going on. And I, you know, I'm still, try- I'm trying to turn it off. I'm trying to turn it back on, trying to see if that works. And it didn't. And finally, I just have to like roll the windows down. And that's all good and dandy, but I live in Florida. So it was like 87 degrees outside, 90 degrees. So that wasn't helping. Then I got my food in there. I'm like, man, I don't want to mess the food up. Luckily, after I got through Jacksonville and St. Augustine, I hit some rain. So that cooled the car off a little bit. But then I can't have the windows down to crack them a little bit to let a little air in. But it, it was just a mess, man, on the way back. Um, and the rain was nonstop, probably from like St. Augustine all the way back home to Titusville. And then I get to Titusville and all the streets are flooded. And I'm like, damn, is my car going to get stuck in the water? It was just, it was, it was wild, man. I'm just like, oh my goodness. I just wanted to get home at that point. I was like, yo, just make it home. Just make it home. We got these wings that are ready to be eaten. So that was like my motivation. I'm going through the water. Like the water is getting up pretty high in my car. I had to move over into like the middle of the road just to get by. But luckily I made it home safely. Um, all praise due to God. It was it was a great trip. And I had I had leftover food, so it was cool. It was cool. And I stopped at Bucky's again on the way back, got me another kalashi and got a, a, a barbecue turkey sandwich that I ate the next day. So I had like a nice little meal set up for like the next two days after that trip. Um, yeah, I spent some money, but it is what it is. When you're on a vacation with your family, you're gonna spend some money. It's not a big deal. You set money aside for that. But now that I'm back. I just got to get focused again on saving. I got to get better at that. But ended up uh, trying to take my car to the dealership to get looked at because this no air conditioning thing was a problem. And then there was like a burning smell coming from my car. So I'm just like, bro, I hope this thing doesn't like blow up. So I, I try to make an appointment for the dealership the next day because I was off. That was a beautiful thing about this trip, too. When I got back, I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I try to make an appointment for Tuesday. And of course, last minute doesn't work at that dealership where I go to in Cocoa. Um, so I didn't end up being able to take my car over there until today, which is Thursday. And of course I got to go back to work tomorrow. So I go in the morning, I drop the car off. They have like a nice little shuttle thing where they take you back home. So I'm like, cool. I'm chilling at home waiting for them to tell me what's wrong with my car. And they're taking all day, bro. It's like one 30 and I still hadn't heard from them. So then I, you know, I had to call them. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What's going on? What's going on with the car? And they're like, I feel like they hadn't even looked at it at that point, but, like, oh, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. So finally, like, 2.30, they get back to me. They're like, yeah, bro, your uh, compressor's done. And I'm like, nah, man, not the compressor. I've had this. I've had compressor issues before in the past, so this, I already know what it is. Last time my insurance paid for it, I already know. My car is way over mileage for that now. So I was just like, oh, boy. So I'm like. He's like, yo, it's only like twelve hundred to get fixed. I'm like, oh boy, He's like maybe seventeen hundred too. If there's like some piece that's messed up once we take it apart, I'm just at this point I'm bracing myself. I'm like, all right, probably gonna have to pick up some more shifts at work, do some overtime. I gotta, I gotta make up this money somehow. So 
I tell them, like, I got to go to work tomorrow. Like, what's, what are we doing here? Can it be fixed by tomorrow? And they're like, no, oh, no, but we can give you a vehicle to drive in the meantime um, on us. You don't have to pay for it, which, all right, that's a little bit of a consolation prize, but it's it's, it's not much, but I appreciate it. So I, I was like, all right, get me back to the dealership, pick up the, the loaner, and um, switch everything over from the car that I need to. And at this point, I'm like, all right, I'm about to go play basketball. Let me just at least get a little workout in. So I go to the court. I go to one of my little hideaway courts that get some shots up. There's some kids out there. So, I mean, I, I couldn't really blast my music like I like to, but got a few shots up. But my knee, man, my knee is just not responding very well right now. So I only played for like 30 minutes because I just felt a little bit of pain in my left knee. I already, you know, getting older, knee problems. Pretty much bone on bone over there in that left knee. So I have to be smart about how I how I uh, operate, but ended up, you know, going home after that. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to pod today. So I'm here doing the podcast. I don't know where I was at in that whole story. Um, yeah, basically the compressor's done. Got to get it fixed. Got to go to work. And that's that's pretty much what the last week has been like. But I've been lazy. I've been just sitting at home this last few days doing nothing. Scared to drive my car. So I've just been home watching, like I do, watch on YouTube, a lot of content and podcasts. I'm probably going to watch the Joe Budden podcast after I finish this one and then make my dinner and uh, go to bed at a decent time because I have to go back to work tomorrow after being off for like what feels like an eternity. Back to the grind. Um, and yeah, got to go make this money to pay for this new air conditioning. Well, I'll be happy when it's fixed because... Driving in driving in Florida with no AC is rough. Even though it's about to start getting cooler, I know people say Atlanta's been like cold and freezing. We haven't gotten that cold yet here. I think it's supposed to be a low of 55 tonight. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, well, I guess I'll, let me get to some topics now since since I've gotten everything else out the way. Um, you know, I forgot to say on the last episode too when I talked about the high school reunion. I just want y'all to know that I did. I dominated that dance floor at that high school reunion. I forgot to say that the music was on point, but I dominated the dance floor. I think the reason I dominated the dance floor is because whenever I go to like a place where there's not a lot of black people, I'm usually going to be pretty good on the dance floor. But when there's a lot of black people and especially the ones that can dance really well, it's not my time to shine. I fall back. But when there's a few, I'm usually, I can usually end up being really good on that dance floor just because my moves are, are probably a little bit better than most uh, non-black people. Now, I ain't going to lie. One time me and Domaine did lose the dance battle to these Puerto Ricans at Mike's wedding, his first wedding. Uh, that was rough. That was rough. We thought we had them, but they they were doing like bop. They were bopping and they were doing like kid and play. They knew like every dance move. And they, they came straight from like Puerto Rico for this wedding. So I don't know how they're getting down to Puerto Rico, but they... That was like one of the few times me and Domain like lost the dance battle. And yeah, especially losing to like somebody who's not black. But the Puerto Ricans at that wedding, it was like a combo. Like they I, I think they were like brothers or cousins or something, but they had their own like choreography and bro, you just had to be there. They they were really good. But other than that, I'm usually pretty good on the dance floor when there's not a lot of my people there. But at that reunion, I was dominant. I was dominant. It was a great performance. And I just wanted to make sure y'all knew because I hadn't, I, I forgot to mention that part in case people were wondering. And I danced with some women too. Like some of these women at the, at the reunion, you know, 
once they see me dancing, yeah, they were they were trying to you know be part of my crew and dancing where I was at and a little grinding, a little grinding. I tried to holler at a few women at that uh, reunion too, but I feel like every ninety five percent of the women that came to that reunion came with their men, so there wasn't too much flirting I could do. There was a couple single uh, women there, but the ones I really had my eye on were there with their men, so I couldn't really do much. There was this one like um, East African. She was bad, but she had a man. I ended up becoming cool with her man at that thing, too. I hate when I become so cool with their boyfriends. It's just, ah, it's annoying because I'm trying to holler at the woman, but you know it is what it is. I guess I have a good personality for that stuff. But, damn, that was the one downfall of that reunion. A lot of, I guess, you know, when you're in your 30s, everybody's locked up at this point. Everybody's married with kids. And There was one woman who was pretty, and I think she was going through, like, some relationship problems where she gotten divorced or something, but. I gotta add her on Facebook when I get back on there. She was cool. I think she was like Indian too, man. She she was alright. She was alright, but I think she was not really in that right place. I think she had been going through it. So I was like, uh, let me leave you alone for a little bit. All right, let me leave you alone. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching the news, but the biggest story, what it seems like in the news right now, is the Gabby um, Petito story. Gabby Petito. She's from Long Island, New York, and she was dating a guy named Brian Landry. Laundry, I'm sorry, out of uh, Northport, Florida. I guess they both ended up living in Northport recently after she moved from New York, and they went on this, like, van trip. Shout out to Mike and Clarissa. It was, like, one of those Mike and Clarissa-type things where you take your van on a road trip across the country. And this story is so wild because they go on a van trip across the country for, like, a few months, and then the dude, Brian Laundry ends up coming back to Florida without Gabby Petito. And he's home for like 10 days and saying nothing about uh, where his girlfriend is or fiance. I, I don't know if they're really engaged or not. That's another thing they've talked about. But finally, her parents don't hear from her for like 10 days. So they end up reporting her missing. And then they go to talk to uh, Brian Laundry, and they're like, yo, like, dude, what's going on? You came back to Florida without your girlfriend. Like, where is she? And he's like, I can't really speak on that. He lawyers up and then he refuses to talk to the police. And it's just a wild story because the police at this point, they, he's not a suspect. He's a person of interest because she, they hadn't found her body at this point. She's just missing. So technically they couldn't force him to talk to them. They couldn't arrest him. They couldn't do anything. So he ends up lawyering up and refusing to talk. And I, that's the weirdest thing to me. But then he ends up disappearing himself. And his parents, are they report him missing. And at first, the parents are, like, holding him down. Like, ah, oh, he's not going to talk to the police. Like, they're not making him talk. They're kind of running. Uh, they're running interference so he doesn't talk to the police. And I guess most parents, you're going to defend your kids. You're going to believe your kids are innocent and all that. But I don't like how they handled it. And then finally, when he's missing, now they want to talk to the police. Now the parents are like, oh, we need your help. Whereas before, they didn't want to. It's just a wild story. So then he goes missing. Talking about he, he tells the family he's going for a hike in the, some swampy area in, uh, out there near Sarasota. And they say it's like 25,000 acres or something crazy like that. So then he's missing. Then they end up finding Gabby Petito's body in Wyoming. Um. And it's just wild how they ended up finding it because apparently there was a white van that they traveled in, but then um, some other people were like driving by and they were having, they had their camera on 
as they're driving by, just by accident, I guess they had this camera recording, and they actually they happened to capture the van on the video. So then they go back look at it later on, and they realize that's probably the missing uh, person that's um, associated with that van. So then they hit the FBI up, and then they search that area where that van was, and they end up finding her body. Um, and then, like I said, the Brian Laundry guy is gone at this point. So now you want to arrest him. You have reason to arrest him, but you can't find him. So it's just a wild case. And then, you know, it's the police probably mishandled it a few ways. I think, I think the biggest thing they probably messed up on was, um, even though they couldn't question him or arrest him, you probably could have had an unmarked car out there in front of the house. You could have kept tabs on him. You know, if you see him leave, you can follow him. I'm pretty sure all that's legal. I read somewhere they could have went to the door and requested like a proof of uh, a proof just that he's alive, like kind of like a wellness check type thing where you can go to a house and request to see proof of uh, proof that somebody's living, proof that they're not dead. So there was a few things they probably could have done and just kept tabs on them, but they let him get away. And honestly, I think. I would be shocked at this point if they find him alive. I think he's probably killed himself. I think he's somewhere in that swamp. Who knows if the alligators have gotten to him, the snakes, whatever. I don't think they're going to find him alive if they find him at all, which 25,000 acres, I don't even know if they're going to find him. But the biggest thing, I guess, that's coming out of this right now is you're seeing a lot of uh, a pushback finally you're seeing some people upset. You're seeing people talk about if this was a black woman, this case would not have gotten this much attention. Cause this has been all over the media, um, TV, uh, news articles. I was watching Hoda and Jenna this morning. They were talking about it. Like it's everywhere. And I think a lot of people are starting to become upset because they're like, there's a lot of missing people in the world and they don't get this much attention. And I see the argument. I understand why people are upset because it is a lot of attention, but I got to push back a little bit. I got to, I got to defend it a little bit because I think it's unfair to compare it to if the person was black and just for the reason, because whenever we have like shootings or police shootings or any of that stuff, black lives matter type situations, like we get, we get a lot of coverage we get more coverage than if a white person is killed by police. Like it just is what it is. I've seen, you know, we've seen it. We saw last year where the whole Breonna Taylor thing was going on. Um, George Floyd, all that was going on. And then there was a story about a black man who killed uh, a, a white kid. And I believe it was like North Carolina. He just went over there. He was like high on drugs and he just went over there and shot him. And, um, he ended up being caught quick, like within a day and it got coverage, but it didn't get the same level of coverage as the black lives matter stuff got. And you saw a lot of people upset on Facebook. Like, Why isn't this getting the same coverage? And I had to explain to people cause a lot of people didn't understand. I think we talked about it in the podcast too, but it was like one, the case was pretty much solved quick. Like they found the suspect. Um, he was charged. He's never getting out of jail. Like there's not much else you can cover. Whereas a George Floyd, um, you still were waiting for justice. A Breonna Taylor, we are still waiting for justice. I still don't think we've gotten that in that situation. So you still have stuff you can cover. 
just like this, this Brian Laundry case, we haven't found him yet, or they haven't found him. So there's still something you can cover. Once he's found, you can still cover the trial, whatever, see if he's actually, you know, put to justice. But the black guy who killed the, the white kid in North Carolina, we already know how that's going to end. Like, at least life in jail, life in prison, maybe the death penalty. So there wasn't much more coverage. Maybe when the trial comes up, there'll be some more coverage. But once he was caught, like, there wasn't much else they could do. So I don't, I don't agree with people who think that, yes, I agree the part that, yes, missing black women probably don't get the same coverage. But to me, this was one of those stories that was just, it was so unique, everything that happened. Like, going on the trip together, him coming back. He actually had come back, like, two weeks before he even drove the van back to help. Then went back to, like, Wyoming or wherever they were traveling. Then drove the van. It was her van. He drove her van back without her. So there's just so many parts of this story that have just were astounding that made that drew you in and you just kind of wanted more information about what happened. So I understand why it got so much coverage and why everybody's like so into the story. Then you have all these witness sightings that are popping up. Uh, you have the police who um, body cam that came up and showed them the couple after they had gotten into an argument and you see the police talking to them and trying to calm her down. And she looks very like distressed and stuff. And then there's this every day, it seems like somebody has, had spotted them somewhere. And there's this new story every day. Like somebody saw them in a restaurant argument. Somebody saw them on the road argument. Like somebody saw them here, there. Like it's just so many new developments into this case. And I think that's why this case is staying alive in the, in the news. Even though we have found her body or they found her body and they know that she is no longer with us. And most likely the boyfriend did it. Like I think it's safe to say we all think he did it. I don't know. I mean, allegedly, if you want to say that, but all, all signs point to him being the suspect, the main suspect in this case. And now he's gone and we can't find him. And it's just, it's, it's a wild story. Now I will say the one thing that I probably think they're doing a bit too much is the resources. Cause when I saw the amount of police they had out there canvassing that swamp and searching for him, that's a bit much like where you guys could be searching for other missing people. Like not even the media coverage. I'm not mad at the media coverage, but the, the amount of police that are out there searching the resources, the overtime that's probably being paid out other cases that are not being looked at because of this. Like, I don't think they should have allotted that many police to this case. I don't like, if you can find them with 10 or whatever you, you can find or 10 police out there. Yes. But hundreds, that's a bit much. That's a bit much. I didn't agree with that part. But I'm not mad at the media coverage because as black people, we can't have it both ways. Like we can't, we can't want our stuff to be covered. But then when a white person is in the news for something, get mad that they're covered. Just like I didn't agree with the white people getting mad because their stuff wasn't being covered and Black Lives Matter was being covered. Like whatever the story is, is the story. Like whatever's the most popular story and whatever's going to bring the most viewers is going to be what's covered. That's why Donald Trump was on the news every freaking day when he was president, because he brought the most viewers. That man was out here cutting promos every day. Like that's what the people wanted to see election coverage every day is on the news. Coronavirus coverage now is every day because that's what you're going to tune in to hear about whether you agree with it or not. You're going to tune in to either watch it or hate, watch it, but you're going to tune in. So whatever they know is going to bring viewers. They're going to milk it. That's why hurricanes are covered so much. Like 
you just got to understand how media works. Whatever brings in the viewers brings in the advertising dollars. So it's just about what the juicy story is. And right now, this is the Gabby Petito story. Uh, and now searching for Brian Laundry. Um, rest in peace to Gabby Petito. And prayers out to her family. Because it is a sad situation. Even though we are watching it like it's uh, Dateline or 2020 or something. Like we, we do have to acknowledge somebody did lose their life. And it's very sad. Um, domestic violence is a real thing. I had a cousin who, who lost her life to something similar. So we do have to uh, remember that aspect and that this, this uh, young woman does have a family that is grieving right now. So I would just say, keep them all in your prayers. Um, even, even Brian Petito's parents, I would say probably, yeah, keep them in your prayers. I know some people will probably don't like that, but I think they did what most parents would do. I think most parents would probably defend their child in this situation until the evidence was overwhelming, which it is now. And they probably can't, they can't defend him anymore. And that's why they called the police. He's missing and whatever. But when he first came back and they, they kind of ran that interference and didn't lock, let him talk to the police and like shoot them away. I think a lot of the parents would have did that. I mean, y'all let me know if you, if you're a parent, you would do differently. If you would just sell your kid out without, having concrete evidence because there was before the body turned up there wasn't concrete evidence we knew it was shady that he came back without her but there wasn't any concrete evidence and i think as a parent you guys probably would have did the same thing i don't have kids so i can't speak for that um you know i have brothers and uh i probably would sell them out i ain't gonna lie to you like friends i love y'all but if i think y'all did some shady stuff i'm, I'm selling you out i'm selling you out. i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm not going down with y'all not going down with the ship, but yeah, it's just a sad, it's a sad story overall. Um, you know, they were in the van together for months and I'm sure there was a lot of fighting going on because when you're cramped up in a vehicle like that with somebody for that long, it's going to be some arguing going on. And it was just two young kids in love. I believe they're both like 22, 23. So I think they were just very young, probably too young to even be engaged. And in this situation that they were in, and if he showed signs of domestic violence in the past, I wish he would have left. Um, sometimes people stay for the wrong reasons. And when you're young, you, you, you're kind of blinded by love. And I mean, even when you're older, you can be blinded by it. But especially when you're young, you're prone to probably make more mistakes in a relationship and just stay in situations that you probably wouldn't when you get older. Um, and it ended up, ended up costing her life. And that's, that's the sad part about this, the whole tragedy about this. Um, Maybe if it was 10 years later, she might have left the situation. But, yeah, I, I, I do hope her family gets the justice they're looking for. Um, I'm not a death penalty person, so I'm never going to wish the death penalty. But I do hope they find him alive and he can be held accountable in a court of law. And I think if he, if he killed himself, that's probably the easy way out in this situation. That's probably not going to give you the, the, uh, the feeling um, it's probably not going to give the family the relief they're looking for. They probably want to see him held accountable. So I, I hope he is found alive and for his family. Like, you know, if he's kills himself, that's, that's pain on his family. That's, that's going to be brought on them. And that, a lot of your family members don't ask to be put in these situations. So I always worry about the, I always think about the families on both sides, whether you agree with what the person did or not, we all know it's a terrible act, but a lot of the family members, they didn't ask to be put in those situations. Like, I know he had a sister and I'm sure, you know, cousins and 
maybe grandparents are still alive. So prayers for the, for that whole side of his family and then prayers for the Petito family because they lost their daughter. Um, I'm sure she had siblings and all that. So it's sad on both sides then. Uh, if you're in a situation like that where you think it's just toxic and stuff, I'll just implore everybody to get out. Like, don't stay. It's not healthy. And, yeah, there's always going to be something better. You might not see it at that moment, but I promise, like, years later, you'll be happy you left the situation. Like, you'll be hurt for a while, and you're going to go through some pain for a while. And it's going to take a while to get over it. But when you look back on it later, you're going to be like, Man, I'm so glad I left. I can't believe I even stayed in that. Like, I look at relationships I was in in my, my early to mid-20s, and I look back on them now. And when they ended, I thought it was the end of the world. I thought my life was over, and how am I going to recover from this? And now I look back, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was even stressing over that, you know? So a lot of times when you're depressed and you're going through something, you just got to fight through it and get through that. And I promise, like, it gets better at the end. It gets better later on down the road. So, yeah, it's just sad. It's a sad situation overall. Um, if there's anything else that happens that will that is uh, to talk on, we will. But I'm not mad at the coverage. I'm actually gonna read more on it. Like I've been reading about it every day. I'm just very into the whole story, and I want to see the resolution and what happens. So, I'm not mad at it, and you guys shouldn't be calling double standard or you shouldn't there is a there isn't a i wouldn't say it's a double standard like that's that's all i'm gonna say i don't think it's a double standard i think certain stories are gonna get more attention than others and we've both had as black and white and latino and stuff we've all had it where we gotten stories on our side so that is what it is um what else is there to talk about ben simmons wants to be traded Ben Simmons is asking the 76ers to trade him. He's he's threatening to not show up to their uh, training camp, I guess, that opens next week. And I believe that he's not showing up. Like, I believe him. I don't think he's caving on this. I think he will end up getting traded or he's going to sit out, whether that's the whole season or until they trade him. But I don't think Ben Simmons is showing up. I think he's he's dug his feet in the ground and he says he's not playing for that organization again. I believe him. Now, I think the Sixers have probably overplayed their hand because you could have got James Harden for Ben Simmons supposedly last year, and now the value's probably gone down a little bit with his performance in the playoffs and just how we've seen him uh, react to things. And knowing he wants out, whenever you know somebody wants out, the trade value's down. Same with Deshaun Watson. Like, the Texans are going to have to hold him for a while because everybody knows he's out. he wants out, so people are not coming with their best offers. They're trying to get it for the low. And <laughs> let me tell the Sixers something. Let me tell Daryl Morey something. If you think you're getting Ben Simmons, if you think you're no, if you think you're trading Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard, you've lost your damn mind, Daryl Morey. All right, that's not happening under any circumstance. The best you will get from the Portland Trailblazers is C.J. McCollum and some other assets. All right, so it's you either take it or leave it. But we are not giving up Damian Lillard. And I mean, C.J. is my favorite player, but I think Ben Simmons will improve the team. And I think one of the proposed deals I saw that we offered them was C.J. Robert Covington and two first-round picks, which I think is more than enough for Ben Simmons. I mean, I feel like we're overpaying there, but Neil O'Shea's a little aggressive. He likes to throw in first-round picks like they're candy. Like, he just gives them away like they're nothing. Like, I think we gave two first-rounders to get Robert Covington. So, O'Shea would let them first-round picks fly. But I feel like that's the best we're, we're going to offer the Sixers. So, you guys better either take it or you better leave it, all right? 
Now, if you think you can get something better elsewhere, go for it. But we're not giving up Dame. Under no circumstance are we giving up Dame for Ben Simmons. That don't even make sense. Like, you'd have to give us more than Ben Simmons for Dame. Like, that's ridiculous. CJ can be had. And like I said, if we get Ben and we give up CJ, it's not a big deal. We can move Norman Powell to the, to the two guard. Um, small forward would probably be up for grabs. I think Nazir Little has a chance to start at small forward this year. I also think um, Larry Nance Jr. could start at small forward. You would obviously pay, play Ben at power forward and uh, more ball handling there, bringing the ball up. Dame would have to play more off the ball. Nurkic staying at center. He's in the last year of his contract too, so it's going to be interesting to see what Nurkic we get this year if, if he ends up getting traded at the deadline, like what we do there. But as of right now, I think this team is probably going to stay intact. I don't see Philly making any trades at the moment. I think they'll let the season start first. Um, they'll probably play without Ben, and then they'll, they'll probably freak out a little bit if they um, start off not good. But I, I think he'll be traded. Definitely by the trade deadline, probably even before Christmas. I don't think he makes it into 2022 on a Philadelphia team. I've heard talks of Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal. I can see it, but I don't, it's not really. Like, I don't see him wanting to go to Washington. I mean, it's a great place to live, but. As a player, he's going into a worse situation. And I've heard he doesn't want to go to Portland, and I don't understand it because it's a great organization. Maybe he just doesn't like the city, but Portland's one of those places where you might not like it, and then when you get there, you're like, oh, this is a pretty dope city. So just give it a chance, Ben Simmons. Come to Portland, give us a chance. You might end up liking it. You might end up staying. Norman Powell stayed. A lot of players end up getting there, and they like it. It's a cool city. It's a very unique city. It's not L.A., but it's chill. It's a mad chill city. It's a very left-wing city. So you ain't got to worry about too much MAGA. I mean, they're out there. Some Proud Boys are somewhere out there, but it ain't too wild. So I just say give it a chance. Uh, they're also saying the Timberwolves possibly be, could get Ben Simmons. I know they, they fired their GM yesterday or operations. I don't know who he was, but they fired one of their dudes. Apparently, he was seen like kissing another woman at a soccer game. That wasn't his wife. So there's a little some wild stuff going on there, and the T-Wolves just seem like they're never going to be better than mediocre. But who knows? If they get Ben Simmons, they're saying they might give up D'Angelo Russell. I, I think that's not nowhere near the trade Portland offered. I mean, CJ, Rocco, two first-rounders. What else are you giving them besides D'Angelo Russell? Because to me, he's not even better than CJ McCollum. But if you can somehow find a way to get Ben for D'Angelo and maybe some picks, you put him there with um, you put him there with Anthony Edwards and uh, what's his name, Carl Anthony Towns? They might be able to slip into like the seven or eight seed. I still don't think they're going to be that great just because I don't know. Something about Minnesota Timberwolves, they're not a winning organization. But I feel like that's the Blazers' biggest competition right now for Ben Simmons. People keep saying the Warriors, Draymond Green. I don't see it. I don't see why the Warriors would trade um, Draymond Green. I understand that Ben Simmons does the same stuff, but I just don't, I don't see – I don't see how Ben really makes the Warriors that much better. I think Draymond's IQ is probably a lot better than what Ben Simmons is. And Draymond's not scared at the moment. Ben, I think, is, is scared at the moment. But I think he becomes a team like Portland. I think Lillard will instill some confidence in him. Just got a breaking news story that an arrest warrant has been issued for Brian Laundry, which I don't even think that's breaking news. We know they're looking for the man. I mean, we, we know he's wanted. But like I said, I don't think he's going to be found alive, so. I'll be shocked if they find him somehow. And the only reason, the only way I think they find him is if he's not in the in the swamp. 
Because a lot of people think he might not have really went hiking like he said. They, people think he might have gone somewhere. There's a lot of conspiracies going on now. It seems like every time there's some type of story, the conspiracy theories find a, the conspiracy theorists find a way to get to it. And now everybody's their own detective, and they're saying they don't even believe he was ever home, and he might not even be in Florida. Like, it's just some wild conspiracies. But the neighbor said she saw him in the yard. I believe he's... I believe he's somewhere in Florida. I don't know if he's in that swamp, but he's somewhere. But I don't think he's alive. I, I don't. I don't think he's alive. And uh, Yeah, just to wrap up the Ben Simmons thing, I think he'll be traded before the year is over. Hopefully to Portland. But if we stay with our same team, I'm happy too. Like I think Chauncey's really going to make a difference with this team, with his coaching style. It's going to be a lot more ball movement, less one-on-one. He said the defense is going to be... Uh, more active and a lot more help on defense. Not not leaving people on that island, which I think is a big thing. I think Stotts left them on that island a lot. And I'm just really excited about the uh, Blazers season this year. The Pittsburgh Steelers had me excited for a little bit. And then they've come back down to reality. They beat the Raiders week one. I was super happy. I mean, they beat, I'm sorry, they lost to the Raiders last week. They beat the Bills week one. I was super happy about that. And then they come back and lose to the Raiders, which... As a Steeler fan, I don't know if you guys realize this. If if I shout out to my Steeler fans, anybody's listening, we never can beat the Raiders. We lose to the Raiders every freaking time we play them. I don't understand what it is about that team, but we cannot ever beat the Raiders. Like, bro, they had Terrell Pryor playing quarterback years ago, and we still lost to them. He ran like 90 yards. I remember they had Bruce Gratkowski, and we lost to them. I remember being in freaking um, Atlantic City, and I bet – I bet like 20 bucks on them because I thought, oh, there's no way we lose to the Raiders and we lost. Like, they always find a way to lose to the Raiders. I don't understand why they can never beat the Raiders, but there's just some teams that always have your number. And it's kind of like in basketball with the Blazers. The Blazers can never beat the Bucks. I don't remember the last time the Blazers beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a game. Every time we play the Bucks, even if we're up by like five with like a minute left, we find a way to lose. So it's just some teams we can never beat. So the Steelers... They lose to the Raiders. Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, which, surprise, surprise. He's like, what, 30, 39 years old? Like, 40, almost 40. It's not surprising that he's going to get hurt. And then, if you know how Ben Roethlisberger is, he he kind of, I don't want to say he fakes his injuries, but he plays the injuries. Like He plays up to it. Like Ben is one of those guys that the slightest thing he's going to tell you he's hurt. He wants you to know he's hurt. I mean, they have the, the infamous story of him saying he played with like 105-degree fever. Like, Ben's always going to let you know when something's wrong. So he ended up hurting his pectoral, which I, I don't even know if he's playing this week, which if he doesn't play, we're in trouble. I know everybody's saying sign Cam Newton. I don't, I don't want Cam. I'm sorry. I don't want Cam. And the reason I want Cam Newton is I don't – the maybe call me Urban Meyer if you want. I don't know, but – the whole Cam not wanting to get vaccinated thing, like, we don't have time to play right now. We don't have time to play around. Ben could get hurt any week. And if you're out because you're not vaccinated and you're in COVID protocol, we don't have time for that. So I think that's the reason I wouldn't I wouldn't go with Cam right now. I don't know how healthy he is. Honestly, this is probably unpopular opinion with football people. I would probably give Kaepernick a chance before I give Cam Newton a chance, a chance because I still believe – in Kaepernick's abilities, even though he hasn't played in a while. But Cam, I feel like, might be towards the end of his career. I just think his body is broken down. He was never a very accurate passer. His his strength is running, and I don't know how much more he can do with that. But the fact that he's not vaccinated, 
I think could hurt a team just because you can't depend on him to be there every week. So I don't think I want Cam on the Steelers. Now, do I want Cam over Mason Rudolph? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Give me, give me unvaccinated Cam over Mason Rudolph. But I would rather give Dwayne Haskins the shot. I want to see what we have with him still. I don't believe in Mason Rudolph one bit. I'm ready for him to be gone. I want him off the team the same way I wanted Carmelo Anthony and Anders Kanter off the Blazers. Like, I'll be happy when Mason Rudolph's gone. I don't think he helps the team in any way. I think he's average. And you know what? He might still be there because of white privilege. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I really don't know how he's still on this team, man. I don't know. I don't believe in this dude, man. We got to let him go. Steelers got to, uh, who do we even play this week? Oh, no. We got a big game now. We got to get a win without Ben. Um, I got to see who we play this week. But without Ben, it doesn't even matter who we play. Because we are not winning without Mr. Roethlisberger. We don't have a chance without him. So we got to get better. We got to get better. We got to get more healthy. We probably got to get stronger at the backup position at quarterback, which I blame them. If you went to you go into the season knowing that this is who we have, and we have the Bengals. So we have the Bengals this week. Joe Burrow. Um, both both of our O-line suck. The Bengals O-line sucks. Our O-line sucks. We usually beat the Bengals. That's one of them teams that we own, so we should be able to beat them. But the next the next few games after the Bengals, you got the Packers, you got the Broncos, you got the Seahawks, you got the Browns, you got the Bears. It's, it's going to be a little rough coming up. They got to win this game against the Bengals. This is definitely must win to me because there's some tough ones coming up, man. I mean, none of those are guaranteed. The Packers seem to uh, always have us our hand, too. They always have our numbers, so I don't know. I don't know if we're – man, that's a tough schedule. Ben, I hope he can play. I hope he can play. Before I before I end this episode, I want to talk a little bit more stock talk. I haven't really talked stocks in a while. I know everybody's probably wondering, what's going on with the stocks? Like, Jared, is he still doing them? Are they doing all right? Like, what's going on? So I've, I kind of fell back for a little bit with the stocks just because I, I wanted to do more like reading on everything and learning. And now that I've, I've gotten a little bit more knowledge, I am, I've gotten a little bit more aggressive. Some of the things I've learned. One thing I've learned is um, not being afraid to sell things at a loss. I used to think, I guess in the beginning, I didn't really understand it, but I, I thought when you sold things for a loss, you were taxed, which now I know when you sell for a loss, you don't pay a capital gains tax. You actually get to claim that on your income taxes. So it helps if you make a lot of money or whatever, you can use that. You can use it on your taxes, which this is what rich people do. Rich people find a lot of ways to use things on their taxes. So there was a few stocks I wasn't really big on. that I ended up selling. Took a little bit of an L. Nothing too crazy. Um, and then another thing I learned is the capital gains tax, which is it's not as bad as I originally thought. Basically, you're taxed on your tax bracket if you sell with before the year is up. So right now, I'm in like the low tax bracket. I'm in like that 11% tax bracket. It might go up next year, but I'm in the 11% one. So my capital gains is only 11%. So if I sell a stock early, I'm taxed at 11% on only the gain. You're not taxed on the whole stock. I believe you're just taxed on which what the profit was. Just like if you are under that, which you bought it at, you claim that, you know, so the capital gains is basically whatever you pay in taxes every year that your percentage of your tax bracket 
it could be from the 11% if you're under 40,000 a year to, um, I believe from 40,000 to like 70 or 80,000, you're in that 22%. Then it goes up to 24%. And then the, the rich people are like 37%. But if you're not super rich, you're not, you're not paying that 37% one. You're probably in the 20. So it's not too bad to sell if you're making a good profit or if you just want to get rid of it and find something better you like. Don't be too afraid of the capital gains tax. I, I used to be afraid of it. But one thing I'm learning with the stock market is like you can't just sit there and let and just let it do it, what it do. You got to be aggressive. You have to be aggressive. Like you can't just sit on stocks because they'll go up and down. And sometimes you got to get out early. Sometimes you got to sell for a loss. Like you just have to do what makes sense. If you see something better out there and you're selling a stock for a loss, but there's another stock that's cheap, cheaper than what you had it at or what you think you should be at. Don't be afraid to sell for a loss and buy that other one that's cheaper. And one thing I'm really big on right now is the dividends. Like I'm a big dividends guy. I'm all about getting extra money coming in through just um, owning stocks. So I told y'all the ones I liked for dividends, um, CHMI, ORC, and NLY. Those are like my big ones. They're all real estate ones, uh, mortgage rights. And the reason those are good for dividends is because those companies have to pay the dividends because they make a uh, profit. They make a lot of money in profit. So to avoid paying taxes on that profit, they pay dividends out. And that's why those are good to have because they're going to pay you that pretty consistently every month. But the one thing I, I'm doing right now actually have some good dividends coming in um, because CHMI, CHMI and um, NLY play, pay quarterly dividends. So every quarter they pay ORC pays every month, which I like, I like that better than the quarterly just because you're getting the money up front and you can do more with it instead of having to wait every three months. So is it? Yeah. Every three months. So um, NLY and CHMI are about to pay their dividends next week. So what I'm doing is I'm waiting for them to pay the dividend. And then once they pay the dividend, I'm selling those, whether it's a loss, it's a gain, whatever I'm getting rid of those. And what I'm going to do is I'm putting all the money I get from those into ORC. ORC is the one I'm, I'm going all in on at this point for dividends because it's the highest percentage is 15% and they pay every month, every month. And the stock is around the $5 range. I like it at $5 or less. Trying to get a few more shares at it of it at five dollars before their uh, dividend date is because it's coming up, I believe, next week. And if I don't get it by next week, I have to wait a whole another month for the next round of dividends. So, trying to get a few more of those at um, the five dollar or under range. If not, it's not a big deal. I'll just buy it after the dividend because after the dividend, what you're going to see is these prices are all going to drop for the ones that have dividends. A lot of people. They buy the stocks up right before the dividend, so the prices go up. So it's good to just hold it, or if you want to buy a few, you can buy some before the dividend. But just check, like I said, you can always Google these stocks and then put dividend history in that Google and look at the NASDAQ um, site, and it'll tell you the day that you need to own the stock by, the, the record date, which is the record date means the date that that company is going to check to see who's owning a, who's the owner of that stock. And it, as long as you hold it up to the record date, you're going to get the dividend. You can sell after the record date. And then the payment date is what it is. They pay you on that date. So I am going to try to get some shares of ORC. But if not, I'm going to wait until after the dividend date 
or after the record date, because it'll probably go down a little bit now, and you can probably get it a little cheaper than five dollars, maybe in the four ninety range, four ninety five, which I'm trying to do just because I want to um, balance it out. Because there might be some times where I might need to buy it more than five. It's higher than five dollars, so I want to get the lowest price I can get just in case I end up having to buy it at a higher price later on. But yeah, I'm gonna sell the other two, like I said, NOY and CHMI, and I'm going all in on ORC for my dividend because it's it's fifteen percent. And it's paid monthly. It's 15% for the year, but it's a monthly payout of that. So for every $5 share you have, you're getting six and a half cents um, per, per month, which I forgot what it equals to. Um, I think it's, what is it like 70 something cents? 70, I think it's 78 cents a year. Something good like that though. So I like that one. I like that one. 78 cents a year for a $5 share. You probably made that money back in about seven or eight years. Plus, you still own the shares. So whenever you want to cash out on those shares, you still have that money that you're going to get back. Plus the money you've earned on dividends. That's why I like dividend stocks. You got to be patient with them, though. And I think that's why a lot of people are are not really into the dividend stocks because it's a slow build. But if you want a consistent amount of money coming in every month, it's good. To, it's good to have. I mean, if you buy 100 shares of... uh ORC at $5 a share for $500. You have $6 and 50 cents every month coming in, which it might not seem like a lot to you, but it adds up. That's $78 a year. If my math is correct, if it's not, forgive me, but it's somewhere in that range. And like I said, you've, you've paid that stock off in dividends already. You've made enough in dividends in like seven or eight years. Plus you can still sell it whenever you want. Like it's just, to me, it's a no brainer. Um, OMF is another one I had. They paid a $4 dividend last month. That was pretty good for that stock. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get too deep into the stock talk today, but I just wanted to tell y'all I'm consolidating some stuff and I'm going all in on the dividend ones that I really like. So don't be afraid to do that. Oh, I'm going to sell my IDV one too. I have a, um, an ETF an exchange exchange traded fund called IDV, um, international something. I don't like that one as much because the dividend is decent. It's like 4%, but I like JEPI and uh, Devo, D-I-V-O. I like those ETFs a little bit better. Uh, the fees are a little bit, probably a little higher on those because they're active. They're actively uh, managed funds, which means most ETFs, they're, they just kind of pick what they have inside the ETF because it's a collection of stocks in it, but they're not, they're not actively managing it. They're not trading and getting rid of stuff if it's not doing good they kind of leave it as it is where the actively managed ones they're going to do a little bit more work to make sure it stays afloat and makes some money and they're going to charge you a little bit but all these etfs are going to charge you a management fee just for holding it um so you got to be aware of that but i like devo and jepi so when i when i sell my idv shares i probably will buy some more of those those two and oh a big thing is just finding out which ones are clean I think I've talked about this before, but a lot of these uh, ETFs, especially the Vanguard ones tied to private prisons. And I'm just not, I'm not a fan of that. I can't rock with the private prison stuff. I don't like my money being tied to that. So I'm just trying to rock with the clean ones. And uh, so far from what I've found, those are clean. So you can always go to prisonfreefunds.org and type in your ETF and see if it comes up and what rating it gets. And, um, you can see if it's a okay one to use. 
With all that being said, I think I had a pretty decent episode today. Uh, I might not have been able to touch on every topic I wanted to or get to every topic. I still have a long list of stuff, but, you know, I'm still still working my way into this, uh, getting getting back into the swing of things and uh, just trying to be productive, just trying to come on here and, and show show that, you know, things are good right now for me and just letting y'all see how my life is going. So wanted to come on here and speak a few things and touch, touch on a few things, uh, what's going on in the world. We'll come back next week, God willing. And if I'm not back, you know, I probably need some time to myself, but I'm just, you know, taking it day by day and uh, I'm in a, I'm in a good mood this week in a better place. So I'm going to end this episode. Did I play rotation before? I'm trying to play a song I haven't played before. I've played so many songs that now when I'm like thinking about what I want to end the show with, I'm like, dang, did I play that song already? You know what? Let's play Nas. Nas' new album dropped last couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And I didn't, I'm not playing anything off of that, but I do like the new Nas album. Uh, Street Dreams, though, is the one I'm going to play today. But the new Nas album, King Disease 2, Make sure you check that out. That's a really good album. I don't know if I talk about all the good albums that have come out lately. I'll probably do that next week. But there's been some really good albums lately. Um, we'll talk a little Drake and Kanye next week, too. I don't know if I ever gave my opinion on those two. I probably need to live with those a little bit more. But come back next week, give an opinion on that. We'll update the Gabby Petito case if there's any news developments on that. Uh, NBA training camp will be starting next week, so I'm sure there'll be some stuff to talk about there. And whatever else is going on in the world or in my life, we'll discuss. But uh, we are going to end this episode with Nas, Street Dreams. This is Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence. I'll be back next week. My man put me up for the share, one-fourth of a square, headed for Delaware with one change of gear. Nothing on my mind but the dime sack we blaze with the glaze in my eye that we find when we crave. Dollars and cents, a fugitive with two attempts, Jake's had no trace of the face, now they drew a print. Though I'm innocent to proving guilty, I'ma try to get filthy, purchase a club and start up a realty. For real, G, I'ma fulfill my dream, if I can seal my scheme, then precisely I build my cream. The first trip without the click, sent the bitch with the quarter. Brick, this is it. Fresh face, NY place. Got a crooked eye for the jakes. I want it all, armor on bins and endless papes. God's sake, what a nigga gotta do to make a half a million without the FBI catching feelings. Street dreams are made of these. Niggas push beamers in 300 keys. A drug dealer's destiny is reaching a key. Everybody's looking for something. Street dreams are made of these. Shorties on their knees, but niggas with big cheese. Cat to Pappy, niggas see the cat 25 to flat, push a thousand feet back. Holding cats wasn't making me fat. 
snitches on my back living with moms getting it on flushing crack down the toilet two sips from being alcoholic 999,000 from being rich but now I'm all for it my man saw it like Dion wore it a wiser team for a wiser dream we could all score with the cartel Argentina coke with the Nina up in the hotel smoking on Sesamina Trina got the fish scale between her the way the bitch shook her ass show the dogs never seen her she got me back living sweeter fresh Caesar guess David Robertson's Wally Moccasins Bitches blow me while I'm hopping in the drop top PM Word is born, son, I had that bitch down on my shit like this Street dreams all made up these Niggas push beamers in 300 keys A drug dealer's destiny is reaching the key Everybody is looking for something Street dreams all made up these Shorties on their knees for niggas with big cheese Who am I this up? Project struck, looking for luck, dreaming, scoping at large niggas beaming. Check what I'm seeing. Cars, ghetto stars, pushing ill Europeans. Gian, heard about them old timers, ODing. Young, early 80s, throwing rocks at the crazy lady. Worshiping every word the rope rocking niggas gave me. The street raised me up, giving a fuck. I thought Jordan's in the gold chain was living it up. I knew the dopes, the pushers, the addicts, everybody. Cut out of class just to smoke blunts and drink naughty. Ain't that funny? Getting put on the crack money with all the gunplay painting the kettle black hungry a case of beers in the staircase i wasted years some niggas went for theirs flipping coke is they career but i'm a rebel stressing to pull out of the heat no doubt with jeeps turning out spinning never holding out street dreams are made of these.